everybody, welcome to another episode of Reality TV and Me. I'm Kirsty, and this is my first of a few interviews with the Indian matchmaking crew. I am obsessed with this show. If you're not already watching it, get on it. It was charting in Oz a few weeks back. So look, it's hitting all corners of the globe. Get on this docu-series. It follows a bunch of people trying their hand at what they call the matchmaking marriage rather than the love marriage, if I've got that correct. We'll figure out in a second when I talk to Apana. I mean, I'm so happy to talk to you. You're my favorite standout star of the series. You're famed for your straight talking, your reluctance to compromise. And I absolutely loved watching you. Uh, you're a polarizing figure <laughs> for a lot of people, I think. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah, Thank you for having me today, Kirsty. It's really nice to be here. Well, look, you know, we're, we're intercontinental. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are literally spanning the globe. Like you said, this show has reached corners I didn't even know existed. And it's been really exciting. That must be pretty wild. Um, you know, going from a background that is in law, so very different from being in the public eye. What was that like? What ha has that been like? Yeah, I joked that eight weeks ago, no one knew my name. And sometimes that's all I'm hearing nowadays. So it's a lot. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Um, it's it's been a ride. It's been a roller coaster. Um, I woke up one morning and, um, you know, literally my, my whole love life was out uh, for the world to watch. And a lot of people had a lot of opinions about it. And I quickly had to learn um, about strategies of how I was going to handle that and what that was going to look like, because nothing can prepare you for it. Nothing. And so um, it's kind of a, a swim or sink kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. And are you swimming? How are you surviving? Yeah, definitely swimming. I'm doing really well. Good. I think quite quickly um, I decided I was going to soak in all the positivity and ignore all the negativity. I'm not on Twitter, so that made it a lot easier. Um, Vyasar says that people on there are pretty cruel about me, and he tries to stand up for me. And I'm like, don't waste your time. Like, People behind keyboards halfway across the world or even right in my neighborhood, don't bother me. Like, I say it on the show, and I'll say it again. Like, I like me. Like, I don't know if a guy likes me or if some viewer somewhere doesn't like me, but I like me because every day before I go to bed, I, I do a check. Am I, was I a good employee today? Was I a good friend? Was I a good daughter? Was I good to my little senior Pomeranian Conan? Did I grow? Did I evolve? Did I learn something new? And if I did, then I'm proud of me and I like me. And so I can't worry so much about any negativity or, or um, harsh words um, that are spewing from behind the keyboard or from behind a screen somewhere. And um, it doesn't affect my life. I love that so much. And that's why I loved you on the show. I mean, you're just so straightforward. You know what you want and you're not willing to compromise on that. And I think that that's like an incredible lesson for women to learn, especially because a lot of what we see in the show is Seema Auntie, your matchmaker, for those who haven't mm -hmm. watched yet, it, she's very, um, 
it's almost like one-sided the way she gives the boys a lot more leniency than she does the women and particularly you you know if you're if you're choosy if you're picky with who you want then you're labeled as negative um and it's you know she's never gonna find anybody if she's so negative and so picky and who will make her happy and the boys like all right well you know they've seen 150 girls but i'll give them 50 more chances what did you think watching that back yeah, so it's interesting when we take the show, um, as you said, it, it's people all over the world. So half of us were in India, half of us were in the U.S. Um, we have never met each other even to this day. I've met Shaker um, last week for the first, well, I went on dates with him, but I met him again um, just recently. You know, these are COVID times. We're not really traveling a lot. And mm. so we were in these little bubbles and we thought our bubble was the norm. So when Seema was telling me, I'll only give you one match at a time, and I was arguing with her, I was like, no, can I see a few? And then I'll pick which one I want to meet first. And she was like, no, that's not the way my system works. And I was like, oh, but I would prefer a choice. Mm. And she was like, no. And so behind the scenes, what we don't see is that like, I'm not given the choice, but then you see Nadia's given three men and she's like, this one first, this one second, this one third. And then obviously the men are given like 150 choices. Um, so it was hard to watch back because I just thought it was so unfair. Like yeah. um, I, am, I am at an age where I've done a lot of thinking on what I want and um and the viewer doesn't get to see this, but what I really told Sima and he was what I, I wanted two things. That's all I said to her. I said, I wanted someone um, who's more introverted and laid back, someone more relaxed in the home sphere. Um, if they're different in their job sphere, that's fine. And then I wanted someone who was um, very intelligent and not just like school smart, but like was learning about the world and was going to share that with me. So like, I don't read The Economist. I'm not the best with that kind of stuff. But if they loved it and they could share it with me, I would be so excited to be with that person because that's them building their life with me in a way that's them sharing their interests. So right off the bat, Sima auntie asked me, do you speak Hindi? And my Hindi is like a three-year-old's Hindi. It is bad. Like, and I'm like, uh-oh, this woman doesn't want to speak in English. Like, how am I going to explain to her what I want in my partner right. if she doesn't speak English? And so I'm telling her, I was like, I don't want someone. I want like an introvert. She's like, no. And I'm like, oh, you're not understanding. It's like the guy who's not that funny. Like he's more quiet. She's like, no. And I was like, you know, the one who's not too good at comedy, you know? And she's like, no. And I'm thinking, oh, she really doesn't get it. Like, so everyone's like, these are weird lines that you're saying. And I was like, that's me trying to translate in right. as many ways possible. Introvert. Cause like three-year-old Hindi, I don't know the word for that. Yeah. I don't even know a word for it in Hindi. And so um, I'm just constantly trying to tell her this. And finally, she looks at me, she goes, you need someone jolly. And I was like, Santa Claus is jolly. I don't want Santa Claus. Like, I want a husband. Like, what are you saying to me? I was like, we, we are not talking the same language here. I was like, I don't even know what jolly means. Like, does it have to be old? Do you want me with an old man? Like a white beard man? Like, what do you need for me? And so basically, you were having a little communication breakdown and you guys see parts of it, but not all of it. That is so funny because I laughed every time she said jolly because <laughs> she does use that word a lot. And it's obviously a translational thing. You know, she just probably means somebody like happy and kind of, you know, jovial, I jo suppose. Jo jovial, yeah. yeah. But jolly, 100%. You never hear it unless you're in reference to Santa Claus in the Western world anyway. So it just made me laugh so, so She's much. She's going to give a seven-year-old man in a red suit, and I'm really not going to have that. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> I mean, he has lots of gifts to give, but I still can't do it. You know, not my kind of guy. <laughs> I love that so much. So how did you get involved in this process? I mean, 
just from start to finish, did, were, you, were you dating? You were obviously dating in your real life a lot because you mentioned your, um, your, the, I love, I'm going to use this if I ever decide to date again, the 55 <laughs> minutes at the wine bar right before closing. Yes, right. that is so perfect. It does mean I have to go out past like eight o'clock, which I don't love, but it's such a good way just to escape a situation. <laughs> so yeah. what, was dating just... Yeah, I sorry. I think a first date just like an interview too, mm-hmm. like a, a nice more cordial one. But like you don't have to give them three or four hours of your time, and they don't have to give you that. That's not fair to even ask of them. Like we all have work the next day usually, or we have like stress, or we have a dog at home that we need to go home and like take care of. And like for me, it's even like being respectful of their time and saying, "Hey, we're meeting for the first time. Like let's give each other like an hour. Let's chat. Like let's get to know each other." Um, and it always seems to work out fine. Now I can't go to this wine bar anymore because people found out which when it is and so if and when they open up again I don't know if they're open I don't go out much anymore but and man I'm gonna have to find a new spot (laughs) (laughs) yeah you'll have to research the closing hours of you know the bars in the local area so were you just kind of getting sick of the dating scene of the tinderverse I don't know if you tried apps or anything like that and this opportunity presented itself Yeah, definitely. So I was in the LA airport. My flight was delayed. I was about to fly home on a Sunday morning from Houston, uh, I mean, from LA to Houston. And um, I was on Facebook and someone posted, are you single? Are you South Asian? Do you want to, are you looking for your significant other? Like really looking to get married? And I was like, yeah, they were like, apply here. So I literally in line for this plane, just like shot off an email and was like, hi, I'm interested in the show. Like, here's my basic info. And they called me back like within a few days and they were like, hey, I'd love to talk to you. And I had forgotten I applied. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, you applied to a matchmaking show. And I was like, did I? <laughs> yeah, it was only like three or four days ago, woman. Like, what is happening? Am I the and bachelorette? I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, thinking will go nowhere. And then next thing you know, fast forward and I'm on the show. <laughs> and now you're a household name. I mean, what a whirlwind. Did you guys have to, because I was Googling and I'm not sure what Seamaranti's rates are, but I was Googling what an Indian matchmaker costs and it mm-hmm. can be up to 50 grand. Like it's a whole thing. Did you guys have you to bet. pay for uh, pay for her or was that part of the experience? Being part the of the experience. Yeah, a lot of people have asked me. I think I Googled her because a lot of people were asking me and they said it's like 5,000 US dollars or something. I don't know. I, I, to the day to Google is my only information on this. Yeah. <laughs> well, five, five K sounds a lot more reasonable than 50 K. So, <laughs> cause I was thinking far out. 50 K in rupees is about like six K or seven K in dollars. Oh, maybe that's where I'm getting confused. Cause it's 70 rupees to the U S dollar right now. I mean, I don't even know. I could have been looking at Australian dollars, which again is, yeah. is even more outrageous, but Look, yeah. who knows? I just did a quick Google search, 50K. I was like, jaw to the floor. <laughs> and I was panicking because I'm like, these people aren't meeting their love matches. It's not okay. <laughs> if I'm paying right. 50 grand, I want, I want like a perfect husband. <laughs> that kind of money for sure. Yeah, no, see my auntie was zero for seven. None of us are with anyone she set us up with. Rupam just got married this weekend to the guy that she met on Bumble on the show. That was awesome to see. I was like stalking her on Instagram. She was the most stunning bride in the world. I was like, wow, you found love through Bumble. You told Seema Auntie to, you know, piss off. Yeah, yeah. Wow, there yeah. you go. That See, that's really, 
I find I, when I first watched, um, when I started watching, I sort of thought, okay, the generational thing, because she's of a different generation than all of you and dating has changed so much in the last 10 years with, you know, smartphones and apps and Tinder and Bumble and all of these things. I wondered if that would still translate. And I have to say, I don't think it really did. It did seem like she was sort of missing a lot of this new kind of, well, the new woman as well. We've changed a lot as as women. And just the freedom of being able to, like the boys, I would watch them having these 150 girls. See, that is Tinder. They're just swiping. They're swiping through girls until they find this elusive, perfect woman. That's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's not. And in fact, what Akshay went through the engagement and then woke up the next morning and broke it off. So, you know, you know, I love is love is hard. <laughs> and you're watching seven people try to go through it with Seema. And in the meantime, we were also going through it on apps, I'm sure. And, you know, some of us were had, like Nadia had a relationship for two months with the first guy, um, Vinay. And, you know, so we were trying. We're all still trying. We were laughing the other night. We were all chatting like two, three weeks ago. Vyasar called us and was like, last minute, he was like, we've never done this. Let's just get on Facebook. I'm like, I'll do a room together. I, so none of us knew what a room was. We're all in our 30s. We're like, what is that? <laughs> and so like Zoom on Facebook. And so we jumped on. It was a Friday night at 6 p.m. And we were all just laughing because here we were, season one of a show, always a very special season of any show because we're all so naive. We had no idea what we were getting into. We thought this was a docu-series it's actually a reality show like what's the difference it's a big one um you know and so here we are all still single on a friday night looking at each other like man what a journey like how are we all still single and sitting here looking at each other so we're a special group i really i you know i've only met a few of them the men that i dated and and it's, it's uh, a group I, I can't wait to, to meet in person. We've already become so close. Uh, Ankita and I are like basically like sisters. We check in every day with each other. Um, she's just so special to me. And of course, I talk to Shaker every day. And Philip and Jay are my friends, my other two dates. Um, so I walked away from this experience with a lot of good people behind me. And I would say the same of every one of my castmates. All of us have reached out to each other at least once one-on-one and said, hey, how are you? And that's a big question to ask each other because we didn't go through the taping mm. process together, but we're still the only ones who know what happened, yeah. you know? And a lot of things happened uh, that you guys don't see, so. Well, so on that, I mean, y- you said you speak to Shaker every day. You're still in touch with everyone that you dated. Why not take it further? They just weren't the one for me. I think there is something about friendship that we can be friends with so many people and they give us so much as a friend. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be your your family. Family, Like yeah. I said in the show, your spouse is your only family member that you'll ever choose. And that's a really big decision. I will not pick my kids. I will not pick my mother, my father, my siblings. In fact, my, my sister and I, I wish I could have picked another one. I'm kidding, but <laughs> we're very different. And sometimes I see these sisters that are so similar and I'm like, I wish I had a sister like that. But we love each other and we choose to love each other. And we choose to keep, we talk every day too. And so for me, it's important that my family member that I choose, that's my husband is, is um, the right one for me. And so, yeah, sure. I can get along with Jay and Philip and Shaker, but that doesn't mean that they're, they need to be my husband. What about Vyasa? Can you please marry him? <laughs> he's amazing. Uh, he, you know, he's authored two books. He went to one of the best universities for his master's. They just skip over all of that. And um, that wow. he's the most accomplished 
young man ever. They skip over the fact that Rupam's a badass doctor. Uh, they skip over the fact that I have a luxury travel company that I talked about wow. maybe for 20 hours on video, on taping, and then they cut it all. Why did they cut it all? Well, I think it's because it doesn't fit the narrative of the really angry, sad lawyer. Okay. And I'm like, but I'm an angry, sad lawyer. I have my own company. I love it. I pour my heart and soul into it. I'm passionate about it. That's why I love traveling. That's who I am. And it's never mentioned. People are stunned. You you were just stunned yeah, that I own yeah. Tell us about years. it. Because the travel um, was a huge part of your storyline, but more in it, like you say, used against you in a way that you're a kind, you kind of come across as almost snobby that's how they try and portray it as in like oh well he didn't know that Bolivia had salt flats okay for the record I didn't I just googled it amazing (laughs) now I want to go to Bolivia (laughs) in the rainy season when the water is on the ground and the whole sky is reflected in that amazing land I mean it's beautiful and I definitely didn't dump that guy because he didn't know about blue and salt flats. Um, <laughs> I definitely would have preferred that he asked, hey, what is it? And then I pull up my phone and show him the picture and go, ooh, that looks cool. Um, because apparently everyone in the world did that when they watched the show. People were yeah. sending me the Google yeah. analytics of um, the Google Explore tab tells you when like a term is trending. Yeah. And so Bolivian yeah. salt flats was like zero, zero, zero. The show, show launches is like millions, millions wow. of people searching for the Bolivian <laughs> salt flats. And I'm like, People were laughing. I was posting it on my Instagram stories, just like tracking as people sent me these pictures. I don't, I'm not regular with technology, so I didn't know how to look for it myself. I didn't have to. People were like, did you see that 9 million people look at the Bolivian salt flats today? And then before it was like, before July 16th, it was like two people. I'm, I'm so like, relieved because I was like, wait, hang on. What, what is a salt flat? <laughs> and now you're heading there the minute this is over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my golden balloon is going to lead towards there. So what my con- company does is for people in their 30s and 40s, that's a loose age range if you're 28 or you know, older, we, we don't care. And um, it curates uh, trips. I lead them or my business partner. Um, and it's your dream itinerary for seven days to a certain place or eight days. So um, we had a full itinerary lined up for 2020. We went on our first one ever, which was Jordan. So we did Amman and Petra and the Dead Sea and, wow. um, you know, the, the Rum Wadi Desert and the Wadi Rum Desert, sorry. And it was it was amazing. We had this small group. They all got to know each other. They were all solo travelers. And, and we did everything by star like the best hotels cooking experiences transportation we take care of everything and it's a way for professionals who wants to travel but doesn't you know maybe have a significant other that wants to travel or doesn't have a significant other or doesn't have friends that are interested in that location to just be like look this company is going i'm signing up i'm buying a round trip ticket to the destination point and they'll take care of everything the minute i land i don't even have to think about it i just have to pack my bag and go that's amazing and, uh, what's the name of the company my golden balloon I so here it. in the u.s it's black balloon on your 40th birthday that says you're over the hill and we say no way 40 <laughs> is just the beginning like your 30s and 40s are your golden ages it's your golden time to shine and to explore and to do things for yourself so we have a golden balloon we don't we do not talk about black balloons in our group that's crazy. Um, i've never heard that black balloon on your 40th my god right. it's like that um there's an episode of the amy schumer show it's like that you're you're unfuckable your last fuckable year when you're 39 and then as soon as you turn 40 actresses are just like they're not they're not fuckable anymore so they don't get cast (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't prescribe to that. Mm-mm. Subscribe to that. Sorry, I'm sorry. I think these are our golden years, and that this is the time that we do things for ourselves. And if what you want to do, and it's not for everyone, is to go see parts of the world, and you can't find anyone to go with you, or someone who wants to do it in your budget or the way that you want to do it, then you go by yourself, and you go by yourself with us. Um, or you pick a friend and go. Like last time, a couple of people were like, "I brought my best friend along." Like we're going to be here together. I'm like, that's fine. Bring as many people as you want. Like, we don't care. We capped the group off at 14 though, because we wanted to stay intimate and we want everyone to get to know each other and it's easier to move in groups of 14 or less. So yeah, I'm excited. I mean, obviously we're on pause right now. Right, obviously yeah. everything got canceled for the 2020. Life they were almost all pulled out and they got canceled. And I was like, I hope you guys come back in 2021. That's so annoying. Yeah, especially because you're just launching it. Well, yeah, I'm sure people will. Uh, that's the first thing everyone's going to want to do as soon as life opens up again is travel. Mm-hmm. I know it's the first thing I want to do. And that actually really appeals to me. I mean, Australia is a little far away from everything. But um, one day, one day. Really? <laughs> uh, some of our trips are like to India and stuff. I feel yeah. like we're further from yeah. India than you are. So... What did you think about the way you were portrayed on the show? Do you think it accurately represented you? Not at all. I don't think that reality shows accurately represent anyone. I don't think any of my castmates will say that was an accurate depiction of me or or themselves even. Um, We were made into little archetypes uh, to talk about arranged marriage. And we were crafted quite craftily um, and cleverly uh, for that very purpose. So I am the angry, stubborn lawyer. Vyasar is the teddy bear guidance counselor. Rupam is the sad little divorced mom. Akshay is the mama's boy. Except that in reality, I've already told you, these people are much bigger than those storylines. They're much more well-rounded. They're nuanced. They're complex. And so am I. And so it's really interesting to see and you know, this, this version of yourself out there and that people believe it's true. I think it's a bigger conversation about the way we consume reality TV and why are we not wiser to it after 25 years of it being in our face? How many more times can a reality TV show vilify a strong woman for ratings? It's going to happen for me. It's happened with me. It happened to Jessica Batten. It happened to, I mean, name any show and they take a strong woman. They're like, we're going to vilify her. Mm. And the viewers are still there for it. And I'm confused by that. They're coming around. I've had obviously thousands of DMs of people being like, that was shitty editing. What was that? Like they just took you and, you know, twisted you. And I'm like, well, you're a pretty educated viewer, but most people are not. And I'm surprised at that because I don't watch TV. I don't watch reality TV. I don't watch TV. And so I was confused when this all happened to me because I'm like, wait, where is this coming from? Like, who are these people that actually believe that television is truth? And why don't they realize this is entertainment? And so it's been a learning experience for me for sure. <laughs> well, do you regret doing it on knowing that now? Definitely not. I would do it 100% all over again. I think it was um, such an amazing opportunity to be part of a larger conversation in my community and also around the world about colorism and casteism and sexism and heightism, which I didn't even know existed. I'm 5'3", and apparently that's the cutoff for being a desirable height. And I'm like, wow, so if I was half an inch shorter, I would have another black ball against me and see my auntie's eyes. That's terrible. Like, mm. um, it's interesting though, because the show didn't sanitize that. And so what happened is that people all over the world were having conversations about it and, and engaging me in it. And if I could have changed and moved and progressed that conversation to a point where it becomes unacceptable to have those practices still in place, then I feel like I would do the show all over again. I really would. That's amazing. I mean, would you do uh, matchmaking again or you think you're going to be in charge of your own love life now? <laughs> 
hundred percent, I would do matchmaking all over again. And I'm still going to be in charge of my own love life. I don't think I lost control of it when I had a matchmaker. I was very clear that my voice is still going to be heard. And for me, it was just another option. I could be on a dating app. I could be at the singles table at a wedding. I could go on blind dates set up by my friends and I could have a matchmaker. Mm-hmm. It was about every avenue. Like, why not? Try them all. Like, you know, if I can meet my husband in the produce aisle at the grocery store, I would be okay with it. If I could meet him through a matchmaker, I'd be okay with it. My point is I just want to meet him. Yeah. So every opportunity in this world, I'm a hopeless romantic. I mean, all of us are. That season one cast, we were all laughing. We're like these hopeless romantics that thought we would go through this process and find Mr. Wright or Miss, Mrs. Wright and Ms. Wright. And um, we're all kind of disappointed that we didn't. I mean, obviously. So will they do a second season, do you think? Have you heard anything about that? Uh, the production company really wants it. That's why they left it so open-ended um, with that new character you meet in the last five minutes who also caused the most stir of all because she's the one that says, I want someone fair or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so they left it open, but Netflix has not yet confirmed it or I guess paid for it. I don't know how that works. I'm not in television, but yeah. Netflix has not confirmed it. You're in television now, sweetheart. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm a full-time lawyer. I've got my travel business. I'm writing the book right now. Um, So my book deal is going to be finalized hopefully in the next month or so. I'm finishing up the proposal. Um, You know, I sell the T-shirts with my lines on them. They're flying. People love some of these key lines that are Parna-isms now. Um, Yeah, I'm having fun. I'm doing fun projects. I'm exploring new opportunities, but I'm also still working eight to ten hours a day as a lawyer. And I'm still Where's the time Love. for a man anyway? <laughs> yeah, people are trying to set me up. They're like, I have a brother and a cousin and a this and a that. They're like sliding into my DMs and I'm like, I don't have time right Just now. I don't do it. Right Why now. not? You have to find that Everybody, new bar. I know. But I'm, I'm I'm moving to New York probably in the next few months anyway. So awesome. I'll find a new bar there. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a fun it's got great energy so I was like now's the time to go let's go it's a it seems like a very you energy it's very fast-paced everyone wants to do everything right now yeah I think that'll work for you that seems right who knows maybe Mr. Wright it'll be my neighbor there or living on my block or who knows never know so you are still working full-time as a lawyer uh first of all what kind of law are you in some people asked that insurance Okay. And um, you made some comments and jokes about your job and not enjoying it and not enjoying your work and blah, blah, blah. Obviously kind of just mucking around. Did that affect your work life at all? No, I'm in a different company now anyway. So (laughs) they They were like, whatever. Uh, I mean, most lawyers will admit that it's not that rosy of a picture, you know, and that um, we're often looking for our next move and our next step, whether it's going in-house or changing practice areas or doing something like that. Um, You know, it's just a part of the career. And so what I did to make myself happy was I started that travel company Mm -hmm. two years ago because I was like, if I'm not going to find love and fulfillment in my career, I can find it myself in my business and in my entrepreneurship journey. Because uh, I'm not going to live in a in a job I don't love um, for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so what does it look like for me? It looks like the initiative to do something I do love um, and with a passion I already have, which is travel. It's always been travel. And so, yeah, I'm happy. I like this current job. Um, 
I, I give it my all every day. It's my priority and my focus because it's my actual job. <laughs> and I will always say I'm a good employee. I might not love it, but I don't know why everyone was so fixated on me having to love my job. Like, do all these people in this world out there love their job? Did I miss a memo somewhere where like everybody <laughs> is just so pleased to be exactly where they are? Like, I don't know. That's shocking to me, really. But I, exactly. maybe I think I maybe. think we're just. Um, what people I think found uh, polarizing about you is that you're you're able to say things that everybody thinks, but we're not supposed to say that as nice women. We're not supposed to say, well, you know what? My job isn't the love of my life. I want this quality in a man. I don't want that quality. I'm not just going to grab up anybody just because he thinks that I'm cute or he likes me. Like I also get a decision here. <laughs> and and that's something that as women that we're we're not really haven't been trained uh to be open with and free with for a very long time. No, and I talk about that sometimes too on these when it comes up. I'm like, let's talk about the likability factor that women are trained to be likable. By the age of 10, it's how many boys like you in your class? And the more boys that like you, the better. And you're like 10 or 12 years old. Yeah. And then you start thinking, what do I wear to be likable to all the boys? And then, oh, did you hear that that guy likes this girl? It's because she's so hot or pretty. Like all we're taught is to be likable to men. What am I going to wear on a date to make myself more appealing to this man? Not what am I going to wear to feel comfortable and good in my own body and skin? Um, and, and even through college, how many boyfriends have you had? How many boys have you kissed? I mean, like the numbers start mattering because that shows likability and we're focused and fixated on likability. What if we taught 10 year old girls or 14 year old girls or 20 year old girls, let's be likable to one really great guy that sees you for who you are and loves your authenticity and also thinks you're beautiful for the way that you're comfortable in your own skin, whatever that looks like. Um, and be and- likable to ourselves, you know, cause I think a lot of the time we don't even think about whether or not we like who we are or whether or not we actually like the clothes that we're wearing or, you know, the hobbies that we're embarking on, or if we're just doing that stuff because of how we're perceived. And a lot of us walk through life, you know, seeking validation without ever, uh, myself included, I was a younger person, you know, um, without ever questioning, do I like this? Do I like who I'm becoming? Do I like what I'm doing? So I, th- I think that was really, um, really impressive in in your portrayal um it came across for me and I think that that's what made a lot of viewers uncomfortable because they're not ready to see a strong woman as a force to be reckoned with that's not what our we've seen on our screens for uh, forever (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah you're so right and obviously it's a portrayal too right in Mm -hmm. in real life um I make some of those mistakes. I mean, the viewer doesn't even see this, but like the Srini situation where my mom called him a loser and I said I would talk to him never. It had nothing to do with his podcast or his career choice. And it had everything to do with the fact that he absolutely disrespected me, demeaned me and made me cry off camera after our date. I took him out to dinner that night. They they I think they show that I like don't take him to dinner. For the record, I take everybody who comes to Houston for a date with me to dinner after the cameras are off because that's just not fair to be like, hey, you came all the way here. I'm going to judge you on a camera date. Yeah. No, it's them out afterwards and say, hey, look, the cameras are off. Like, who are you? Like, what do you want to tell me about yourself? Like, you know, what are we actually not compatible or are we compatible? And so I took him out and he just was absolutely um, 
demeaning and, and disrespectful to me. And I was crying about it to my mom, to the producers, to see my auntie. I was saying like, I'm very upset by this. And they were like, Oh, don't worry. We'll fix it all. And my mom said, nah, honey, walk away from the show. It's your first date. You can leave it. And I was like, I think I want to. And then they heard me say that they were like, no, no, no. Like we promise this will never happen again. And then I watch it months later and they've completely cut all of that out. And it's just like, Oh, Aparna is a, a B because she didn't like him and she's never going to speak to him again. And her mom's calling him a loser because his career path isn't traditional. No, I hope that everyone's mom stands up for them and says, yeah, that man disrespected you. Like you don't need to speak to him ever. And he is a loser. And, and I will say that to every woman out there too. If someone speaks to you in a way that makes you feel small or belittles you or disregards you in any way, please say to him, I will speak to you never. And mean it, like really mean it. And don't go back to them and don't accept an apology. There was no apology to be had at that point. Yeah. You demeaned and disrespected me. You belittled me. You made me feel small. You made me hurt. You hurt me. Not acceptable. And I will always say that. Why am I friends with every other man I went on a date with? Why do I speak to them daily now? Because they were kind and they were genuine and they were humble and they were loyal and they were all of the good things. Um, they aren't my husband, but they are good people. They are genuinely good people. And I'm very blessed to know them. Well, I think that's a really beautiful way to end. I love that so much. And um, it's really important. I want to give you an opportunity. Any final thoughts on the series or anything else you want our listeners to know about you? Yeah, thoughts in the series. Like, I'm excited if there is a season two to see more diversity. A lot of people have brought that up, that there was no religious diversity. There was no LGBTQ uh, representation. And so for me, that would be an exciting way to, to witness season two happen. And who knows if I'm still single? I hope I'm not. Uh, maybe I'll be on season two if they ever ask me. I don't know if they will at this point. But, you know, <laughs> I think that the, the future is bright for Indian matchmaking, and I'm excited to see it too. All right. Well, give us your uh, Instagram, where we can find your business, your travel business, your T-shirts, the whole Apana brand. Aparna brand. So I am on Instagram. My personal handle is my full name. It's a mouthful, but, hey, you'll find me, Aparna Shirak Romani. And then my um, company is called My Golden Balloon, and that is its Instagram handle too. So at My Golden Balloon, and that's the website, MyGoldenBalloon.com. And then the T-shirts and the elephant bracelet I wore on the show and stuff like that is all on AparnaStyle.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll put all of those links in the show notes anyway, so you don't have to try and uh, spell out the, the, <laughs> the characters of your, your last name that I, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> it's not even worth it. You've done a great job today. And that's not where you're going down. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me. Okay, wonderful. Just a little reminder, guys, to like and subscribe so the episodes are directly and immediately downloaded to your podcast app. And please follow me on Instagram. That's the best way to keep in touch or Facebook, both at Reality TV and me. I also have Twitter, which is at Cheese Pernicious. Um, so you can get all the updates on the coming episodes and any interviews that are coming up, recaps, the whole shebang. And if you like what you're hearing, if you like the show, please rate and review me. It really helps boost us up the ladder and look, pour my heart and soul into my craft uh, just to give you a little chuckle. So it really helps us out. Thank you so much. Lots of love and stay safe. Bye, guys.